I'm Caleb. This is the Air of Grievances podcast. So today I have another interview with my father. Uh, kind of, you know, we're documenting his own spiritual journey just like we are mine. And um, here recently, this past week, he and my little brother Nate drove all the way out here to Minnesota on some other business, some family business. Um, but Nate didn't even have to accompany him. He came along in order to bring me uh, a, a card that the family has that they're not using. And my dad and I have worked out some very generous uh, payment plan so that I can take care of that and still have transportation at the same time, which is just amazing. So anyway, to this episode, uh, Nate and my dad came to Revolution Church with me. They got to meet Jay, Brian, all my Revolution family members, and then uh, get some lunch afterwards, and we all got to talk, and we had a great time. And uh, this interview goes all over the place. We talk about all sorts of stuff. There's a few disagreements here and there. Uh, but, you know, it's all honest. It's all respectful. It's all raw. It's all real. So enjoy. It's okay with you. I might, like... Hold up the iPad and like take a picture to have for the for the picture for the episode, if that's good. okay with you. Yeah. At the end, I'll be looking studious. Yes, yeah, so in your studio, the office there. Yeah. Cool. Well, first off, thank you very much for joining me, as always. Perfect. And uh, do you have anything in particular that you wanted to talk about? Could you mention something about grace, and then. Uh... I've even forgotten. There's so much water under the bridge. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, great. Well, grace is, you know, something... You, I feel like you can always talk about grace. That was a good service that we were talking about. Um, maybe that was what queued me up was the discussion we had on the unity. Yeah, why don't we... Let's preface that. Let's say you and Nate uh, came to Minnesota on a trip and you happened to be passing through Minneapolis and you stopped and hung out with me for a day or two and you guys got to go to Revolution. You got to meet my church family and Jay and Brian and Vicky and um, that for me that was a really great experience. That was really exciting for me and, and you being able to, to meet my my mentor and my pastor. Yeah. Uh, well, both of them really, Jay and Brian, have both been getting really involved in my life and... Um, so yeah, so you got to come to the, to the service, and then we had a, a discussion afterwards, which we're making into a podcast now. Um, mm. The first episode of which is, is up now, I think, online, if, I think you may have noticed. Yeah, I listened yesterday. That was cool. Cool, yeah, so what were your thoughts of, Re- of Revolution? Like, what did you think going into it, and then when we walk into a, a bar slash bowling alley, what, what what's going through your head? Uh, it, it was disarming, we'll say that. You know, whereas you walk into a building and everybody's dressed up and you have to be welcomed with a big smile, uh, then something's not right. If someone has to, <laughs> it's not Disneyland, right? You, you, mm-hmm. you, you're showing up and uh, it's like, hey, here I am. I'm me. This is a normal environment. I work, walk into restaurants. And so there we are. And the stage was nice. Um, 
that theater room has a nice feeling of cozy, mm. but also uh, a place to listen. Right, yeah. So the way that it's set up for the listener is, it actually that back room used to be an arcade room. Yeah. They had arcade arcade games back there. And then what they ended up doing was they took like literally half of a like a theater studio bleachers. Mm-hmm. You know, like literally half of one. So it's a, a half of a semicircle, a semi semicircle, a quarter of, of a slice of pie. And they just stuck it in there. So it's set up. They have these like auditorium style stadium seats that kind of like fold up when you, you know, like movie theater seats or something. And then on the floor, on the ground level, they have a bunch of little round tables with chairs, which is pretty much where everybody sits, right? Right up next to the stage. Mm-hmm. And there's a very, very small elevation to the stage. Jay has, has spoken multiple times about wanting to just come down onto the level with everyone in the seats because nobody really sits in, in the, you know, auditorium kind of part of it. But he's talked about wanting to come down on everyone's level and kind of get rid, rid of the whole stage idea. Um, but that's kind of the, the physical setup of the room. I just wanted to, to to set that up and give a visual. So I like the idea that unless there are three rows of people, you don't need to elevate. You know? mm. So it's nice because Jay is laid back, approachable, articulate, has a good point. You know, you, you just can relate to whole experience. What do you think about his message, about his talk about unity? Yeah, he made great points of, normally you get a sermon on unity saying, everybody shut up and quit gossiping and be nice. And uh, then it was, uh, there's no longer Jew, Gentile, you know, slave free. Yeah. Yeah. And so I liked that he was drawing it back to the source of unity. Mm. And then during discussion of Christ is the unity. He's the, he synchronizes us on a standard of, of goodness and what we want to all be like. Mm. Um, so we're not fighting for position and seeing who's the alpha. Mm. Yeah, that's my experience. It, it's interesting. There's some great articles on uh, leadership as I was taught leadership and how the U.S. military operates. Oh, you're the expert in this? Take the lead and do what you're going to do, or I'm going to defer to those who know more than me on this topic. Mm. Whereas other mammals, it's whoever's strongest is going to defend the group, and everybody else just shut up, wait for them to eat first. Right. Whereas we're trained, you know, leaders eat last. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, are you referring to kind of like a level playing field? But that take on unity, like almost. Uh... I don't want to say socialist, but, you know, a uh, egalitarian take on unity. Is that what you're taking away from it? Or am I misunderstanding? Say, well, unity requires leadership. And the leadership is either by fear that keeps everyone in line, or the leadership is by Christ, which is saying we as leaders put everyone else ahead of ourselves. And like Jay used the scripture, think of others better than yourself. Mm, mm-hmm. Made the point they might not be better, but think of them, yeah. putting them better. And as a leader, recognizing I'm not the smartest in everything, that's not why I'm leader. Uh, I'm going to number one be a servant, Christ taught that, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's a, it's a kind of upside down view of the world compared to what comes naturally. Yeah, 
that sense, you know, things are Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way that seems right to a person, to a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. Mm. You know, it, it kills unity to force everyone to follow you. Yeah, okay. And you think that that's something that we see in in church nowadays, or is that just kind of more of a general broad observation about leadership? Yeah, I my experience of that form of leadership was military. And when I think of the church, definitely some people take that. I think of the pastor in Funi, Hungary, Pastor Espan, and he had what I observed as leadership by starting things. Hmm. You know, we were building a space for his church office, and he would go over to a pile of rocks and start moving the rocks. Then people would empathize, well, go out, and they're moving mm-hmm. the rocks. They would go somewhere else, start cutting wood, and then people would show up and start cutting wood. <laughs> and so he was doing, and he wasn't ordering. Okay. Like leading by example sort of thing? Is that the Right. Just... And I don't know that pastors are taught that. Um, maybe, maybe they're taught in the classroom, but when you look at pastors, okay, so the fame of the pastor goes out most the line. And when I, my experience with seminary was, well, that's not the job of the pastor. And as soon as you start saying things like that, then they start going, oh, I'm the called one. Mm, the holier, holier than thou. and Yeah, and they may not purposely. I mean, every organization has structure. Yeah, structure. Yeah. What frustrates me is uh, denying that the church is an organization mm. with normal stuff that we can learn from any organizational development. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. How did you feel about the, uh, the discussion afterwards, which is arguably just as pertinent and important as the talk itself? Yeah, exactly. That brought out the whole point. We're of unity. We're the body. So here's some scripture. Let's talk about it. And there are some great points made about, you know, Christ as the head and, um, each of us being inspired by Christ and then working off of inspiration, not off of obligation. Those are good points. Mm, yeah. I think that you made some really good connections. Um, I wasn't even sure where you were going at first with it, but I believe that uh, you made some allusion to the fact that God is not a God of second chances. Mm. God's a God of 70 times 7 times 7. God's a God of infinite chances. I think that really hit home with Jay himself, too, I think. That, that, that really got a response. I think that was really a, a great way to put that one. A good turn of phrase. Yeah, what he said that caused me to think that. Cause he started the sermon in a different direction than what I'm used to for Unity. Mm. And he came around to it. Mm-hmm. Something he said at the beginning caused that to come to mind. of We are only good because we want to be like Christ. Nothing else matters. And that's where the Unity are registered with me. It's kind of funny you say that too, because well, I have been kind of, people said before, I didn't know where you're going with that. And it's like, well, how do you get this really big thought that's been stewing for years? How do I get that out of my mm-hmm. head and in a way that'll resonate? And unity is following Christ um, because we want to, not yeah. because number one, I said you will follow, and number two, because you need to get better and I'm going to make you better. Right. And I, th- I think, and maybe this is me just kind of being me, predictably, but I think that there's application in that when you say it's following Christ, it almost sounds like there's an 
exclusion factor there. There's a, a group think sort of thing like insider group. But really it's everyone following Christ in that everyone loving and, and, you know, you can't say, oh, we have unity, but it's just in our group. It's just in our denomination. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? There has to be almost a a humanistic element to it, to where everyone has to be striving to be Christ, to be loved, to be loving their neighbors as themselves, to treating others as better than them. Like, I think you pulled that quote from Jay's sermon. And, um, you know, without universal unity, which mandates, you know, um, different religions, different uh, backgrounds, different sectors of society, different countries, cultures, unifying and um, coming to a place of almost a a postmodern dialogue to where each hears what the other has to say and absorbs it and learns from it sort of thing. Yeah, the you mentioned several points. The idea of conformity versus unity, and the idea that similarity means unity. Well, both neither of which really is what we're trying to go for. That I am inspired to be like somebody. Um, you're independent of me. You are inspired to be like somebody. And we're walking next to each other, and we notice we're heading the same direction. But it's not because I said walk this way and go left, right, left, right. Mm. It's because we were just following our hearts. Mm-hmm. And the unity was we already imagine this end state, this what we want, not because I look around and go, oh, you're like me. So we got unity. Right. Yeah. I think I understand what you're saying almost visually like a bunch of people from a bunch of different directions, maybe even using different types of transportation, metaphorically speaking, but all trying to get to the same place to the same person. Is that is that a representation of what you're saying? Yeah. And so when I said we want to be like Christ and you said, well, that isn't that. Like the group, I like you because you're like me. I suppose we're saying the same thing, but upside down. Um, well, could you restate your point? I was saying, can unity universally be people of different creeds who speak different languages, who think different ways, you know, all coming towards this same idea or archetype or goal, yeah. you know, can, can that be a more universal application of unity? Trying to yes. everyone, you know, trying to be loved, everyone trying to love each other really is what it, in layman's terms. Yeah. So life of the inner person is the same, regardless of the outward appearance and culture and behavior. So, yeah, I think we're saying the same thing, that it's unity in spirit versus unity in the flesh. Live according to the flesh, you will die, and that's more than one reason. And then, according to spirit, we're all the same. You show up, that's what was your radical at Christ's time, and the Apostle Paul saying, hey, quit having the rich people sit up the way they do in other situations. They're, they're equals, so sit down. Hey, quit separating the, well, you, I think it was even saying quit separating the women. And quit um, 
uh, have in every group, the Greeks over there, Jews over here. Mm. None of that matters. Nothing of this world matters mm -hmm. the way that the spirit matters. Right. There's no race. There's no gender. There's no, you know, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free. Which uh, can't be. Go ahead. Male nor female. Yeah, go ahead. It, which is not literal. Because right. there is female. Well, there's, yeah. And I see nothing wrong. And here's where your brother Nick, I think, is misunderstood in some way, maybe. Oh, boy, um, here we go, Nick. It's, yeah. it's Nick Dark Time. <laughs> Nick Dark Time. We need a segment, <laughs> like sort of a, a sting. We need yeah. a, a musical cue for this one. So, Nick in, Talk! <laughs> in a relaxed social environment, people with similar backgrounds and experience will collect in places and chat. That's not to be confused with, oh, then we'll form a clique and say we're better. So, there is male female, and there are male issues and female issues, and it's fine that male and female have a group where they talk about their issues. It's just a matter of none of those groups is in charge of, of deciding that our preferences are better than your preferences. Mm -hmm. But it, it's a hard balance, I suppose, um, to even talk about what we're trying to get to here. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess there's church unity, which can, in some cases, conflict with a more, I guess I've coined the phrase now, universal unity. Mm -hmm. um, if a church is so unified that they're insular and want to be set completely separate from the world around them, yeah. then they've created a form of unity that is actually dissonant with the rest yes. of the world. There you go. And then the picture came to my mind, you're saying that was the backwaters up here in the river. So you've got a river, it's moving all over and there are all these little juddies here and there and people form and talk and there's some small group dynamics the microeconomics of the experience where, hey, you know, I've gotten small groups and all of them had gone to high school together and they all knew the same people. And half of the injury dis discussion was, oh, so-and-so married and so-and-so and, -so, and who's dating them. And I hated it. I mean, I, eventually it's like, I can't go to this group. And I don't know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. That didn't mean they should never talk about that. Right. But that's their little juddy off on the side. But as soon as you say, and our juddy is the only juddy, <laughs> yeah, that's... To me, what's going sideways? Yeah, or when you're um, hostile towards people who are outside of your "quote unquote" unified group. Yeah, you know, define that hostility. What does that feel like? Um, lack of acceptance, mm -hmm. lack of um, affirmation and approval. What does that look like specifically? You walk in a room. What do you feel? Um. You know, a gay person walking into a conservative church, we're, we're in a closed town where people know each other and, and know about e what each other does behind closed doors, you know, that that turning of the back, the wh that whispering, that, uh, you know, physically manifested and mentally manifested uh, dis uh, disapproval and disregard and, yeah. and lack of love and, and lack of acceptance. They send a message. Often the body language is sending a message, you're not one of us. Mm -hmm. And you're not as good as us. Maybe. Yeah. So then that church in itself would say, yeah, we're unified, mm -hmm. but we all have all our ducks in the same exact row, and we all reinforce each other's beliefs and all believe the same thing. 
but they're not really uni- but that's not real universal unity because then when an outsider comes in they're treated poorly mm-hmm. and and of course they will they'll they'll spiral into non-existence because the, when they have the next generation show up they're they won't go there because obviously they're not part of that clique mm. um anything else with the discussion stand out to you in particular I like Vicky's comment. I've got the Italian the art. Yeah, here. it's <laughs> the secret conversation or something. Like, I don't know, secret conversation. Yeah, and that's where you walk in and people are welcoming and let's chat versus pretending to welcome you with a fake smile, hoping that you're going to walk away in a minute. <laughs> Right, yeah. yeah. That, that kind of comes back to your initial reaction walking into Revolution and not mm-hmm. having that fake plastic smile right. greet you at the door, mm-hmm. you know, and, and having walked to the back of this place that's full of a bunch of hipsters and weirdos, you know, and, and all sorts of different kind of fringe people in society, mm-hmm. and and then going to the, to the back of it and having our little group and having, you know, it's like, what literally maybe five or six people there, but we have our. Uh, I mean, that's our church. That's the. Tr- I love that church. Like I would, I would choose that church over any other church any day. It's interesting because you go through the group and then you go to the holy place, where you know, go from the uh, outer court of the temple to the inner court, and you have that same sense. And what that was illustrating in the Old Testament was that old phrase, you know, come out and be separate. Mm. So they're the Gentiles. There's all the folks that can be dirty, right? <laughs> Maybe they're using bad language. But at some point they say, come on, let's... Bad, lang- bad language. Yeah, okay. well, I'm right. going to say it. Um, I'll, hey, you, it's a generational thing. I'm, I'm yeah. sorry, I'm getting well, your hard time. So the people uh, in that place... Um, people who are, are there not for church. How about that? Yeah, people are not there for church don't... We don't let draw a line and say because you're behaving this way. Um, and I guess I should say people are not welcoming and they're going to be rude and obnoxious. They won't enter the quiet place. I see. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's a uh, and I was going to mention something that's an outward behavior that and I was going forward. They're they don't they will be cold and distance and not want you part of their click. So that's fine. Have your click over. Your corner boiling alley. Uh, we don't mean to be exclusive because we have our group over here in this theater. Everybody's welcome, and if mm-hmm. if you come here, let's be open and honest with each other. Mm. Yeah, and that kind of ties into the unity as well. Mm-hmm. You know, because unity can't exist without both sides wanting to participate. Because we can mm-hmm. be open. Let's use that example. A, a, a small church group can be open and welcoming. And the, another group just wants nothing to do with them, or wants to have nothing to do with them. And so without both sides deciding to participate in this shared, you know, civil discussion and, and fellowship, then you, you, the unity can't exist even though one party wants it to. Yeah. What we're talking about is social dynamics and this je ne sais quoi of how you maintain that spirit and the warmth without then shifting over to, oh, don't come in here, mm. you unclean person. Um, 
And that's where leadership coming back to, okay, I'm in this church and I notice that all this group is crowding over the corner, not welcoming. How do I deal with that? And I, what I tried once, so I was a sex school teacher for the senior men, even though I was not senior. And we got along great. They were always World War II vets mm-hmm. mostly. And they would just open up and tell stories and share things. I was accepted to an extent. They were open more so than with others, perhaps, because of my military background. Mm. And so I said, you know, wow, there are all these great lessons and wisdom they're sharing. And I thought, let's get the, the youth. And so I invited the youth to our group, and the youth passed went along. And it became, okay, we just broke the group dynamics. Ah. Because we're expecting mm. these elderly guys now to ship over. Okay, go into wisdom mode. You changed the ecosystem. Yeah. You, you introduced a new element to the ecosystem. The whole thing reacted in a way you couldn't expect. And so you could learn that little microcosm. Of, okay. I thought I went back to one thing. I supposed to be the group size because they were talking about, you know, you get five or more than five or seven, three to five people can talk and chat and be open. And then 10 or 12 people can take turns chatting and mm. being open. But yeah, we, I think we busted that number, number one. And then number two, finding commonality. So relationships are based on common experience mm-hmm. uh, or shared experience. We shared experiences. Sure, like totally sure. relate to you. And we were going back to, oh, my shared experience is knowing Christ. I want to be like Christ. You want to be like Christ? Wow, we have something to start from. And so we, we didn't have something in that group immediately to go, hey, what do you like? I like this. Oh, I like that too. With the old guys and the young guys? Right. Yeah. How can I relate to you if we don't have something shared? And right. identifying what that is. Mm. And then I guess somehow you come back to Christ. It is Christ that mm. we share mm. our desire to be a certain way. Mm. That's, an, that's an interesting way to put that. What about what if uh, that's not there? What mm-hmm. if what if both groups don't have that desire? Yeah. So that's where you need hellfire and brimstone. Get them all there. <laughs> I'm exaggerating for a fact, but. Your generation is figure figure this out. You're going to read that church. So we would have we'd have a revival. Yeah, kaboom! They would come forward and change lives, and they would come to you know I want to be like this, and you want to be like that. Now we got unity. Well, if I show up and I don't want to be like this, or I don't even know what I want, mm-hmm. uh, how do you get that? That's the you know, first thing that jumped to my mind. Mm-hmm. A fire and brimstone sermon where I wake up and go oh. You know what? I want to be better than I am. You mean scare people into being better? Uh, it's, there's an element out, but I, it's not, yeah. It sounds. I'm sorry, but it sounds like you're saying we got to re-scare people. You're like, hey, remember hell? You don't want to go to hell. Oh, we right. all got to get religious again. Like, I'm not about that. Yeah. So, a good sermon takes you to the pits of hell and elevates you to the heights of heaven and then leaves you with a cathartic experience that has created unity. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where you and I have talked before and never resolved, I believe. All right, the beginning, fear is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, yeah. What does that mean? Well, I have to respect, I have to have something that is a recognition and that's really powerful. The word fear works for me. It doesn't work for you. I, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to sit down and learn. All right, then comes wisdom. But first, I got to sit 
And then, of course, love drives out fear. So the fear was just something to boom, get your attention. Okay. And then, oh, you got my attention now. What is it? Then you're elevated to the, the heights of that unity. Yeah. I understand that. I can I can see where you're coming from. At the same time, I have to say that sounds to me like a passion play. Or like, uh, have you heard of the Hell House? It's it's this, um, like every Halloween, this church puts on this massive production. It's essentially a haunted house, but with different, like, Dante's Inferno style rooms that are p- parts of hell. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, in a room, there's literally a pastor there to convert you if you want to. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. to me is disgusting. Mm-hmm. It's so, like, it's 100% fear-based. Mm-hmm. I, I have a huge problem even with fearing God, with doing whatever God says because God said so, and he's, he's the big man on campus, and he's the big scary guy who can push the buttons and make your head explode. I have a problem with that. But don't even get me started on a fear of hell. Like, I, that as a motivator to me is very unhealthy. Yeah. So whether, whether that reverent respect of holiness and recognition, I am not holy. Uh, so our generation see it different. Whatever that is, uh, has, I think we've just said, it has a place. We just don't know how to express. And so then comes love. Love drives out fear. Along there is wisdom. Um, but we're getting from point A to point B. And right, right now you and I are, are, we don't have a way to get from point A to point B to get someone to agree to this heartfelt unity. What do you mean by that? Yeah. Um, point a to as point we said, a. okay, what if they're not, what if they don't, we're not united? What if we show up and we have no shared experience and we don't have a shared desire to be something, you know, uh, there's, there's, we can't relate to each other. We don't want to be like each other. And so in my answer to your question, well, you show up and no one has any desire to be anything like anybody else and we hate being near each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not going to have unity. It's not going to be right. a group. They're going to split up and go away. And he said, well, how do we do differently to come to a place of recognizing we have things in common? One of the things we have in common is I want to know how – I have on the open how horrible I am. I don't, I don't know the way to say it, way to say it but – as we've talked before, all right, there you are in the presence of God. To see him is to be like him. There you are now, you're like him. And you go, and he goes, well, what should we do with all this crap from your past? You want to throw it in hell? Uh, how about you? Do you want to throw yourself in hell? Yeah, I'm, I, I want to burn in hell. Okay. And that little peculiar image yeah. strikes to what we might be trying to describe. Hmm. Man. Okay. That's one to think on. <laughs> I like I like that imagery. I'm going to change gears on you, yeah. as I often do. I want to get your reaction to, to an idea. Yeah. I want to introduce you to this idea and get a reaction. So, uh, you're well acquainted with Dr. Peter Rollins yeah. and his work. Um so I, I recently actually heard a talk that he gave at Revolution Church back when they were located in New York. Oh. And he, he talks about virtual entities. Okay. So a virtual entity is something that neither exists nor does not exist uh, in a physical sense. Like 
the best examples that I've heard are like justice. Okay, so is justice real? It's a system that we all participate in and that we pursue after. It's an ideal that we make real, right? So yeah, it's it's like a system, you know, and an idea and an ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so is liberty, freedom. Mm-hmm. Is freedom real? It, we make it real. It's real in our minds and in our society. We participate in it. And so then he says, he makes the assertion, he says, well, liberal Christians say that demonic possession is like a metaphor for mental illness or something. Conservative Christians say demonic possession is a literal thing, literal spirits possessing you. I say demonic possession is a virtual entity. That because in the minds of these people in this culture, demons are real, that makes them real in the experience of those participants. What's your reaction to that? Yeah, he's hitting on something I strongly agree with uh, and would say differently, I suppose. So you and I are in a chat room online. Mm. We're in the same place. No, we're not. You're the opposite end of the world. Yeah. Physicality, it doesn't exist, quote unquote. Uh-huh. Uh, but we're in the same room virtually. So uh-huh. if you say virtual entity, okay, we're embodying that place. All right, well, now let's imagine three-dimensional image. And that image is virtual entity of a room. But what scripture is clear is that is an assumption. So Jesus stands up and says, you are dead. Or Paul preaches, right? You are dead in your sins and trespasses. Wait, I'm standing right here. My heart's beating. My brainwaves are working. No, you're dead. Okay, virtually, as a virtual entity, you do not exist. Okay. So they use very poetic language to say things as if they are real. Right. So I get that part of it. Yeah. I don't know where it was going. Well, yeah, it's it's saying these systems like justice and liberty and, I mean, you could even argue money, the the value of money, um, are systems that we choose as a collective community to participate in. And therefore, that is, therein lies their, the nature of their reality and the existence of their reality. And so, is it possible that that spiritual entities could possess this same space by which they are absolutely real? They affect our lives, you know, daily in a very, very real way, and yet they are not tangible. They're not physical things. That's almost the nature of spirituality is it's, it's metaphysical. All right. I heard two things. I'm trying to join or separate that. First of all, okay, some of these virtual entities are living things in our experience. We're personifying demons, and right, and that's what I'm going for. They're spiritual. You know, we are surrounded by hosts of the heavenlies, all that. Then there was, you say, okay, well, money unifies us. Of course, it's a big move now. Hey, we should have never left the gold standard because people want this physicality. Right. This is what unifies us. It's, it's this metal. Everybody's like, well, it's just a metal. What you the point is we're agreeing that what agreeing, yes. 
this computer says the value of my numbers are, mm-hmm. you know, virtual currency, then uh, that is the value. So the, the virtual entity is an agreement upon a non-physical uh, understanding. Mm-hmm. I get that part, and that's non-physical. That's, um, yeah, no, virtual entities are inanimate over here now in my mind, and virtual entities that are animate are over there. Okay, okay, that's an interesting take on it. Um, I guess you could argue, too, that love is a virtual entity. It's a concept, it's a construct that we subscribe to, that we experience fully, and maybe it has some, um, you know, some brain chemistry that goes along with it that makes it more than just virtual. But uh, you could argue that, you know, true love or, or soulmates or something like that, that's a kind of a cultural thing. Is, is a virtual entity. It just gelled my mind. Uh, when you say love, to me that's an animated object, um, and we describe it as God. God is love. So this person, that's love. This person, that's truth. Yeah. This word. So, so it has animation. It has a four-dimensional existence, and I can watch it and see it and say, that is love. Well, you can watch people enacting it, but you can't watch love, can you? If, if you're looking at Christ, apparently you were looking metaphorically. At love. You're looking at love, but you're not looking. Yeah. You can't say, "Oh, love is red and squishy right. and round." Mm-hmm. Intangible. Yeah. This animated virtual entity is uh, intangible. Yeah. <laughs> Real. Uh huh. Yeah. Could you entertain the idea that God is a virtual entity? Oh, absolutely. By definition, I believe. Yeah. That's where I, I had to say, well, are we personifying it? Mm. Where you say, well, therefore he's everything and therefore nothing. There's where we would go different directions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Thank you. Thank you for uh, bearing with me with that one. Yeah. Can we finish out with a game? Oh, yeah. I have a new segment that uh, Tom Payne and I made up live on the air together. Mm-hmm. It's a fun little segment. It's called Guess That Religion. Guess That Religion. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, yeah. So, no pressure here. This is just for fun. Yeah. Um, so, the, the these I gave you some tricky ones. Mm-hmm. My dad got to give you a hard time. The first one, I'm going to read you a description of it. The second one, I'm going to read you a passage of the scripture. So, are you ready? Ready. Here we go. Maybe I should make up some, like, phone of friends or something like that. You can get hints. How about that? Okay. In the journey of the heart, the traveler becomes enraptured by the magnificent existence of the divine. The divine becomes the eternal beloved And the journey becomes the journey of the lovers towards the beloved, where finally the traveler declares God is love, prophet is love, religion is love, from the smallest grain of sand to the highest heavens, all enraptured by love. Hmm. So you can talk me through what you're thinking, how that first comes off to you. Some form of pantheism, I'm starting to think. And would it be Hindu pantheism? What any any regional? 
So you think I'm more Asian? Mm, yeah, far Eastern. Okay, Eastern's closer. Mm-hmm. You want to keep guessing? Eastern, uh, we're getting there with Eastern. It was, it was, I was with it uh, toward Christianity when it, until it said prophet is love. I get, oh, okay. And then it went into everything. So, yeah. um, so it could be a, have this hint. It could be a Judeo-Christian based offshoot. Uh, so it came from Jewish and of course Islam sounds, was one of the offshoots, right? Yes. Um, but I have to pick one. <laughs> you gotta Anymore? pick one. I you can keep asking for hints and narrow yeah. it down. I you can give up if you want, but what, what you do, maybe my last thing would be geographically. You're just getting close. Is the thing you're getting warm. When, you, is it, is it, it is an offshoot of Islam. It's an offshoot of Islam. Okay, so it's either Shia or uh, Sunni. You're saying? Uh it's neither of those two. Okay, now I get you. I figure it's gotta be something. That I don't know anything about, so I give up. It is something you know something about. It's Sufism. Sufism. You showed me Sufism. Yes, and Sufism. I thought it was Hindu. Okay. Yeah, I know that was. But remember that we made those connections, those parallels yeah. with you know Hindu Buddhism and and Sufism. I, so it's kind of more mystic. The root. Now I know the roots. Thank you. Yeah. So that was good, Dad. Good job narrowing it down. <laughs> okay. This one, I'm going to tell you up front. This one is kind of unfair. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's your first big hint. This is unfair of me to ask you this one. Okay? <laughs> you have no choice. No. <laughs> no say. Oh, goodness. Okay. <clears throat> A holy, instructive spirit will flee deceit and leave when ignorant people start to plot. It is ashamed to be found in the presence of wrongdoing. Wisdom is a spirit that wants only what is best for humans. Wisdom won't declare blasphemers to be innocent because their own words convict them. God Mm -hmm. is witness to their thoughts. Truth examines the heart and hears what is said. The Lord's spirit fills the world. It holds everything together and knows what everyone says. Okay. What are you thinking? Yeah, starting to go for something Gandhi, uh, or then toward Buddhism, and then uh, it, you know, could be a certain Christian. Dang, okay, you're getting warm. You're getting warm with the Christian. And maybe gone more uh, toward the uh, so I'm picturing where these thoughts would come at globally and maybe uh, orthodox something. You're you know? getting pretty close. It's um, a little bit later than orthodox, I, I believe. You want to give one more guess? Yeah. No. Uh, w- was it a monk traveling the world? No, it's, a, it's actual scripture. It's from the Apocrypha, ah. from the Catholic Bible. Got the it. Book of Wisdom, Chapter One. Mm-hmm. Well, I learned something. Yeah. So that was our little game. Um, do you feel like doing one more? Or? Yeah, go for it. As long as it's not unfair. But yeah, I know. I know. I feel bad because I gave you unfair ones. Oh, that's good. Uh, um. Oh, okay. Let's try this one. Let's try it. Okay, this is from some actual scripture from the religion. So, here we go. 
The Kalamas, who were inhabitants of Kesaputa, sitting on one side, said to the Blessed One, There are some monks and Brahmins, Venerable Sir, who visit Kesaputa. They expound and explain only their own doctrines. The doctrines of others they despise, revile, and pull to pieces. Some other monks and Brahmins, too, Venerable Sir, come to Kesaputa. They also expound and explain only their doctrines. The doctrines of others they despise, revile, and pull to pieces. Venerable Sir, there is doubt, there is uncertainty in us concerning them. Which of these reverend monks and Brahmins spoke the truth and which falsehood? At first I thought you were talking Muhammad, they are asking Muhammad. Then it went, uh, if Brahmins, not just monks, then uh, something Indo... I've been Indo now. What's my next hint? Uh, it's east. It's very eastern, and yet it, it it spread. I think it did start in India, but then it spread. It's very big in China. It's huge in Japan. Uh, there, it, there's quite a resurgence recently here in America. Buddha. Yes, sir. Okay. Buddhism. Okay. Got it. And that was from the Kalama Sutta. That was it. Congratulations on yeah. Guess That Religion! I successfully am done with it. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> was it uncomfortable? That was, that was fun. <laughs> okay, cool. Cool, Dad. Well, yeah, I think we've got an episode here. Thank you. This is great. Uh-huh. Um, can I take a little picture mm-hmm. for the... Sure. I can look like a, a smart... Cool. Well, thanks again, Dad. I love you very, very much. Thank thanks for coming you, and visiting and for Pleasure. everything you did. And thanks to Nate, too. Let him know I love him. Well, so grateful. And the car's running okay. Yeah, it's, it's great. It is amazing. It has changed my life. Yay. And I'm being super careful, like getting people mad at me. I'm going so slow in the <laughs> ice and stuff. And- hey. Fear is the beginning of wisdom. You're being super close. Hey, fine. fear in the beginning. <laughs> hey, full circle, baby. Professional podcaster over here. It works. Look at this guy. I guess maybe he's going to convert me now. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Thank you. Love yeah. you. Bye. That was my interview with Gregory Rowe. Be sure to check out the Sacred Collective at facebook.com slash sacredcollectivetwincities. Also check out my two brand new podcasts that I just released uh, today, actually, the day that I recorded this. One of which is for the Sacred Collective. The other is kind of a spinoff of Revolution Church Podcast in which we air the discussions that we have post-service, which are very potent, very personal and very insightful. So check those out. Right now they're only on SoundCloud, um, but you can easily search for them. You can also find them on iTunes. By the time this comes out, it is The Sacred Collective, and the other one is entitled Revolution Afterglow. So make sure you check those out. You can go to airgrievances.com to find my social media. On Twitter, I am at hog underscore cast. You can leave me a voicemail at 612-460-0364 at 612-ho-double-o-dog. 
And my Patreon is patreon.com slash air of grievances. I love ya. Sweeter surface on the